Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Weekday Wednesday, Tucson, Arizona's number one online radio podcast about all things medical cannabis. Your host, Bellstar. And the Cannabis Kid. Our show features news, interviews, and all the latest information about anything and everything medical cannabis related in Tucson, Arizona, and, and the, the world, world at large. We'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call live at 646-915-8421. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on all social media, or email thctucson at gmail.com. We'd like to thank Tumbleweed's Health Center and Studio C, along with our many sponsors for hosting our show every week. With the lowest price certifications in town, you'll find hemp products, accessories, and all things related to medical cannabis education. Visit Tumbleweed's Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard or online at com. And remember, be smart, be safe, and educate. Cannabis kids, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. Hi, Cannabis kids. Tell them what's going on. Uh, Well, Bellstar is in the middle of uh, taking this big, huge bong rip to get ready for the show. And she's going to pass it on over to me. Right? That's how it goes. All right. All right, right on. A whole new setup for... There you go. She is. She is. No, she she needs a whole new setup. I am actually going to take this into the kitchen and get my coffee. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Weed Day Wednesday, everybody. Thank you for joining in. We are super excited for our guests today. They were kind of on air last week, just for a moment. So, hi, guys. Oh, I thought that was a dog barking. I'm like, where's our chihuahua? <laughs> um, so, we're super excited about the show to have Mello on. And... Um, Oh, wow. Careful. That's hot. I broke it. I, I broke can it. feel it. I can feel that I it's broken. I break all my bong bowls. I don't know why. I just stick it on your plate for now. Stick it on my plate. <laughs> stick it on your plate. Give Silver Sister some uh, add-ons there. I don't know if she can handle it. Uh-oh. No? Give you a little? Tiny bit? 
Oh, God. It's been three months. She's going down. Forget Dave and Buster's. It's just going to be Dave how or Buster's. How come you haven't been ripping it? What? Oh, show's over. Are you kidding? I had my whole day planned. Oh, man. No, that stinks. I didn't hear a message. You must have missed, you must have missed everything. She just scheduled herself for some reason. I have no idea why. It's not even her job. <laughs> but, uh, hey, where are the jingle bells? Because I was just about to find out. They're the right big, here. We wouldn't, want those. we wouldn't want those to be missed. How many Christmas? Santa says. Santa says. What does Santa say? 131. 131 sleeps until Christmas. I've got one of these. And she's out. She's not going to work today. She's calling in sick. It's going to be slow anyway. Wednesday, it's hot. Wednesday's going to be in town. Shut the doors. <laughs> Turn shut off the, the light. Shut the front door. 131 sleeps until Christmas. All right. Welcome to Weed Say Wednesday, everybody. I know you're you're all wondering. You're a bell star. Yeah, you're Canada's kid. Uh-huh, I'm not so Silver sister, sister over there. That's what we do. And we're going to say hi. If anyone wants to blog, go to tumbleweedsellcenter.com and check out the little, uh, check out the little, check out the little radio section. And I think you have to sign up. Yeah? Oh, she likes her cheesy egg mess with biscuits. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have to sign in, sign up to, to go on and blog. I think to or to have a conversation with oh chat blog. What is the difference between a chat and a blog? Um, Tell me. It's a blog. A, a blog. The blog a, is the place, and then what you do on your blog is chat. Oh. Or you leave blog. Wow. This okay. would be more like a blog talk because you're uh, a talk show radio. And, that's, and surprisingly, that's what it's called. Huh? That's funny. You're funny. That's really You're good. You funny. explained that very well. Because I, I didn't know. They're like, I'll put this on your whatever. I'm like, what? Yeah. This is a different. She's good. She's good. No, she's good. What is this this week? Is this the same oh. stuff we were doing last week? No, it is oh, not. Oh, God. Here I, here I am ripping it up. Yeah, I hear you're ripping it up. I'm just going to have a great old time like Oh, I we're did on last Granddaddy week. Purple and Violet Kush. Oh, oh no, oh no! But we're gonna chat with our hosts or guests who are gonna tell it's very, us. It's very, it's very purpley. It is, Granddaddy purpley. I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, all right, let's go. And what we'll we'll velvet the, something. Violet Kush. Violet Kush. Let's go sit by the pool. Is what I want to do. That's what I'm thinking. Velvet Kush. It's, nice it's pool time. Well, maybe that was it. Velvet Kush. Violet Kush. Velvet. It's a VK. Violent Kush. <laughs> it's a gangster. What was the other one? Violet that Kush. Um, that we made up last week. Oh. What's the one that's in there right now? Oh, there's a lot of them in there. Mm-hmm. No, there's not. Oh, yes, there are. There really are. Uh, AP? AP. Uh, oh, I don't know. It's gone. It's gone from Apache Junction Pot. Apache Pine. Oh. Apache Pine? Uh-huh. You come up with Apache Pine? Uh-huh. All right. It was TN last week. I mean to say. This is what happened. You didn't write it down. You didn't write I it down. I really do think it's Apache Pine. Apache Pine. Mm, avalanche Pine? No. Mm-mm. That goes along with... Um, <laughs> Not Avalanche. Violent. Ain't nobody in an avalanche on that one. Oh, come on. Yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. All right, well, get off the avalanche and get on over to Tumbleweed Tail Center, 4826 East Broadway Boulevard. Come on down and get certified. 
If you want to know what you can get certified for, I'm about to tell you. So get on over to the certification section. Hit the book appointment now. We'll get you set up. If you have PTSD, cancer, glaucoma, AIDS, chronic pain, which covers pretty much everything, severe nausea, severe nausea. If you got some nausea going on and it's severe, it's kind of rough on you. Nausea's are rough. <laughs> it helped me on some of the uh, Seizures, including epilepsy. Why do they say that? Isn't epilepsy a seizures condition? Why would they say that? Mm. HIV, Hep C, ALS, Crohn's, agitation of Alzheimer's, dementia, cachexia, wasting syndrome, severe persistent muscle spasms, including multiple sclerosis. You're eligible for a medical cannabis card if you have any one of those conditions. And if you don't hear your condition on that list, but you're being treated with something that's causing the condition on the list. So if you've got the bubonic plague, and that's not on the list, but it's causing severe nausea <laughs> and pain, and you can get your card. Arizona's pretty good that way, actually. So that's a pretty good thing. Thanks, Arizona. If you suffer from one of these medical conditions and have been diagnosed by an Arizona licensed physician, medical cannabis may help relieve your symptoms. Tumbleweeds Health Center is Arizona's premier cannabis certification health and education center. Our primary focus is to help the patients of Arizona obtain their medical marijuana card and educate everyone about medical cannabis. With current medical records, approval is a simple process. Contact Tumbleweeds Health Center to see if you qualify for your Arizona medical marijuana card. That's right. Give us a call, 520-838-4430. You can email thctucson at gmail.com, and uh, you can just come on down if you want. We do offer telemedicine also. Uh, and what else? We do home visits still, too. Um, we did one not too recently ago, didn't we? Did I go on a home visit by myself? <laughs> Probably. Um, but we do home visits because some people don't do the um, – don't do the computers, then that's kind of hard, and that's frustrating for people. Yeah, and then uh, some people also um, just don't want to come in still, or they can't drive, or they can't, or they're in a facility, and the facility, uh, there you go, can't, won't let them out, or whatever, can't get out. We just can't leave. Yeah, there are those facilities. There's those facilities where people don't they're, have a lot They're like of nursing home jails. <laughs> where they can't leave. You just, you can't leave. Where there's a front desk lady and they can't get but, after. But is there really a front desk lady? I mean. There might be a front desk man. she really there? Or, or a front is desk he human. really there? I mean, we, these are questions we have to ask ourselves. Somebody's not letting them leave. All right. <laughs> Somebody's not letting them leave. They could have an ankle bracelet. Hey now, all of these things. Here in All Star. All right, so now that we've settled that, you can't leave, but you can come to us, or we'll come to you. If you can't leave, we'll just come to you. There we go. Settled. Come to Weed Tell Center. We're coming to see you. All right, so today, yes, on the road. Stop. You're getting me squirrely. Oh, it's the cannabis, huh? But we're gonna learn that there's no such thing as a strain that we just smoked. Are you ready? Where's our drum roll? <laughs> all right, we're gonna have the McCains on Eugene and Tyler. Um, these gentlemen uh, are spearheading some very fascinating thoughts in the cannabis industry, uh, and they're growing, and they've got dispensary, and got some good stuff going on, but we want to talk about their theories on the nose nose. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome 
the McCains, Eugene and Tyler. How's it going? Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear us? How are you guys? Yeah. Are we sounding all right? We're, We're all good. We're happy to be on with you. Well, thank you for calling back in. We really appreciate it. Sorry about last week. <laughs> no problem. No worries. Right on. So where are you guys right now? We are uh, in Massachusetts right now. <clears throat> um, both were, are, we're both, I was actually born and raised in Hawaii. Uh, my dad grew up on the East Coast and uh, as well as in, in Hawaii, but our dispensary and our grow is in Massachusetts up in Haverhill and Amesbury, about 10 minutes from each other. Nice. North of Boston. What's that? North of Boston, you know, about uh, 40 oh. minutes north of Boston, up the up oh, the eastern seaboard from Boston. I bet that's just absolutely beautiful. At this time of year, it's lovely. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Winter gets a little bit more frigid. Yeah, just a little bit. I've lived over in that area. It's a little cold <laughs> at times. <laughs> so thank you for being on. You guys have uh, some interesting backgrounds. You went from business to buds and surfing to sativa. And why do they call you Mr. Sheesh? <laughs> I want to know that. Uh, I guess it's. Uh, I guess that's just what they say when they see the flower that uh, that we got. Sheesh. Some nice looking <laughs> Kind of like that nausea. Sheesh. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, awesome. sheesh is a great. It's a really po- it's a like, popular okay, Hawaii expression. The, <laughs> the green sheesh. Awesome. Oh, yeah, it's just having fun. It's just playing around with words and having fun. But, yeah, um, grow up in Hawaii, it's kind of standard that pretty much everyone, every one of your friend's parents or friend's parents' uncle had a little, had a little green crop in their backyard and kind of was, uh, you know, even though it had to be under the radar, it was, there was medical patients, you know, and um, it was around. It was always around since a young kid. And the great thing about Hawaii is that you just put something basically outside and it's, one of the best climates, if not the best climate in the world for growing cannabis um, and the plants just thrive. You know, they just do everything they were meant to do, producing all the cannabinoids, terpenes to their best ability. Um, <clears throat> and uh, you get some, you get some crazy Maui Waui and beautiful flower. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I bet Sounds you do. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, I, and I love growing and that would Especially be really great. Outside. Yeah, I just, that, I would, it's harsh here. We're it's in very harsh. We're in the, serious desert so it's like 105 and plants don't really like that <laughs> well cannabis yeah, doesn't. So I mean maybe there's some strains right right yeah and what's interesting is um, you know most most products that sold in the dispensaries nowadays not all of it but most of it is grown indoor and um, you know to the eye it actually looks superior compared to maybe an outdoor product but what you're not seeing is what happens outside is basically magic that, you know, that just the environment and mother nature makes. And between the sun and the, you know, outdoor environment, the weather, the other bacteria and microbes that are around that plant, the temperature, the, you know, that's, that's the first indicas and sativas 
nothing to do with any chemical compound in the plant. There is no chemical compound in the plant that makes indica or sativa. They're the same thing. What is the difference is the original elevation and location that those plants grew in. And those areas is what gave the plant its characteristic smells, aromas as the plant was, you know, growing in that environment and creating terpenes and scents to attract um, good bugs and to detract pests and bad bugs and diseases. So that's what <clears throat> creates the chemical makeup um, in the plant that gives you the specific high. And so when you bring that plant indoor, it no, it does it doesn't just like shut all that stuff off or anything, but it doesn't quite get the same type of uh, entourage effect that the natural environment will bring. So that's a, a big reason we're using our Nexus greenhouse. We have an indoor environment. It's closed off, but our, we have a, you know, this, a clear roof, so we're getting sun exposure. And um, I think it brings a special element. And in the wintertime, we're able to bring in sunlight during the daytime for the plants. And right. uh, this is Gene speaking. There, there's, there's no real scientific, um, you know, study that's showing exactly how that works. But we know, like, for example, um, Tyler's uh, growing there's some great new genetics um, um, in our facility in Amesbury, which is a nexus facility, um, which is clear through roof, but then we can – we can. It has a, a a gray shading and a complete blackout, so that we can trigger the plants to go into flowering, just like you would in any indoor facility. But during the daytime, we can open it up, even in in January and February, and it and the plant gets the the full spectrum of the sun. And of course, that's what the plant has always wanted and always used. And um, we feel. We don't have scientific backing for this, but we feel that that growing in that environment is really helping uh, Tyler create some of the new flower that he's creating. That is just you know pretty awesome. Um, uh, you know, just the, the look and the smell, um, as well as the testing, are all you know coming out you know uh, 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 you know as much as we could expect. Um, and then and then that sort of leads us into you know some things that we're doing, Tyler. Tyler mentioned, you know, about the indica sativa kind of nonsense that's going around. And I, I don't mean to be condescending. You know, everyone in this industry is trying to do their best, and we're all trying to, to move forward and inform people and, and get them as much good information as we can. But one of the problems is we're all, after 100 years of darkness, you know, being illegal, the the scientific information hasn't been really abundantly available and well researched, but scientists, um, any scientist studying cannabis, will tell you today that you know sativa and indica. If you go back to the real land race, indigenous plants, you can identify. Yeah, this is a sativa grown in 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 Thailand, and this is an indica grown in the mountains of Nepal. But as Tyler was saying. Those plants really were, it's the same plant. It's the same genetics. If you cut off a piece of an indica, you know, um, genetic background plant and one that you know, has the, the genetic background of a sativa and send those clippings to a lab, they can't tell the difference. It's, it's the same plant. But you take that plant and you put it in, you know, ruddy terrain up in the mountains in colder weather, 
it responds and adapts to that environment and creates, as Tyler was saying, the terpenes to attract the pollinators in that area and to, and, and to repel the pests in that area. It grows squatter, fatter, wider leaves. It's all adapting to its environment, whereas in something grown in, in Thailand, uh, you know, at Landre Sativa, is um, is reaching for the sun and and is taller and thinner and is and has different terpenes and different uh, development of other biochemicals based on its environment. So at, at Mellow, we're trying to get away from what we think is a lot of nonsense going on in the stores. And again, I want to be really careful not to sound condescending because bud tenders all over the United States, all over the world, they're trying to do their best and they're getting whatever information they can, trying to inform their customers. But sadly, there's just a lot of misinformation that's been piling on, and it's just getting sort of re, re-pushed and amplified. And whether it's the indica sativa, everything's pretty much of a hybrid. Now, when we bring over seeds from Thailand and we plant those and we grow some Thai sativas, that really is a sativa if it's the true genetic um, seeds of the true Thailand sativas. But other than then that type of effort, we're really dealing with all hybrids. And um, and so we don't... And just you know, really, can I, let me just touch on that really quick, Dad, and, I, yeah, and then sure, we'll let so you far. guys talk since it's just us streamlining right now. Um, <laughs> but just for, you know, um, with the Indica Sativa, basically, in like the 60s, that terminology, you know, what do you do with all this information we're talking about? In the 60s, that terminology could work. You know, you had a Mexican sativa, you're bringing that over and crossing it with, you know, uh, uh, indica from Nepal, and that's what the cross was. Now, today, there's nothing, once a a strain is brought away from its original location and elevation it came from, it's a hybrid. So there's nothing in the dispensary that you're smoking that's not a hybrid. There's nothing, you know, unless that strain came straight from the original place it's been growing for hundreds of years, thousands of years. It's a hybrid. So um, basically we're like, how do we use that terminology just doesn't work. And like I was saying in the 60s, it kind of did because you could be like, this is a cross between these two different continents. But today everything is so crossed a thousand times from now and a lot of it with the same genetics. Um, that just using that terminology doesn't help you. It doesn't distinguish what it is because there might be, you know, two generations back, yeah, it might be 70% sativa, 30% indica, but you go a couple more generations back and it's totally opposite of that and then keeps going back and it just doesn't work to use that terminology. And that's where I'll segue, but I'll let you guys jump in real quick, but that's where we will segue into why we wanted to do the aroma profiles and trying to figure out a terminology, a language that does work, that we can communicate with between the bud tender and the patient. Um, and and the yeah, I'll let you guys jump in there, and then I'll come back to that once, once you guys can speak. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope I remember all 40 questions I had. <laughs> Thank you guys for that. Um, that you, you just spewed out so much information. Seriously, I do have some questions, though. Um, yeah, I would I would tend to agree that probably most everything that we come across now is a hybrid. Um, I don't know if there's some pure Afghani strains out there, some Kushes, you know, some things like that out there. 
Um, so I see on your website, though, that you do have your flowers listed and your items listed with Indica Sativa Hybrid. Um, I have so many questions. So that, that's all about, you, you know, well, let me just say this, um, that's yeah. all changing in the next seven days. We're just about to launch our new, new information. Yeah, and, and it's really cool. We're not going to be taking away anything. A patient can come in and say they want uh, indica sativa, but then what we'll simply do is what, where are you going to be using genetics to, you know, direct them? So, again, I'm, I, want, I want to wait up on that, though, and, and let you uh, jump in, Bill, but that kind of explains that as far as the website. Oh, no, that and that. thank you for that. So we'll have to have you back on when it's totally different. <laughs> um so, yeah, most people, um, we have a, a medical office. So most of our patients are older. They come in. They're not even familiar with indica sativa hybrid. They just know that they've got arthritis. They've got migraines. They can't sleep. They've got PTSD. And they want something tailored to, um, to fit their, you know, challenges. So what do you say to somebody that comes into your dispensary that just, has no idea and just wants something so, that's going to. Um, right. right. And, yeah. let, let me say something just about the tree yeah. herbs planter for a minute. Sure. Okay. Sure. And, and then, and then I think, you know, we're, we're, we're certain, uh, several categories, um, Bell and Cam's kid, several sort of categories. There's, you know, the THC and what is the potency. And that's a whole issue is something we take issue with because we think it's, it's very inaccurate and it should really be done in sort of an easy advanced and expert levels of THC rather than getting into 24.78 or 19.23. So that's one subject, and then the terps are another, and that's more along the lines of what you're saying. And as you know, you know, we're none of us are doctors, and we can't tell patients what they should do. They, if it's go by your doctor's advice, but on the terps, what we've found is it's kind of confusing. At least in Massachusetts, a lot of labs will test for like 20 or more terps, and they have all these tiny percentages. And I don't know if it's really helpful to people. Um, unless they have a lot of research and understanding on their own. But we've selected seven of the terps that we've been able to identify through research, known research scientific medical effects. Like, for example, myrcene is a sedative. I mean, that's what it is. And, and alinolol is a sedative, and that's, that's the, the scientific research. So if someone is looking for something that they want to sleep or relax, you know, those would be you might look for um, a, a flower with high in myrcene, and like if it has more than a half a percent, it's probably going to have a real sedative effect on you. A linalool is more of a mood elevator, as is pinene. Um, uh, Carophyllene is anti-anxiety. These are all known medical effects. So we would encourage people to look at what the top three terps are in the in flower and see if those terps have the effects that they're looking for. So. Uh, and beyond that, it's pretty hard, Bill, to really advise people other than to have them try different things and see how it works for them. But then the, the other way we try to help people is through a, a, a way of, of describing and choosing and selecting flour, not by the highest THC, any more than you'd go into a wine store and ask for the highest alcohol wine or go into a coffee shop and ask for the highest caffeine coffee you know, it sort of sounds ridiculous, but that's what people do with with um, flour. But Tyler has, you know, 
as sort of codified through the aroma profiles, what he and his friends and compatriots all knew and how they all shared their understanding of flower, the quality of flower, the type of flower, the genetics all by aroma profiles. And that's what we're trying to really offer to people, not as a replacement for anything else they're used to looking and asking for, but as another way of approaching flower that may be more meaningful to them. And sort of the nose nose is really the underlying, the key to that. And so, go ahead, Professor. I I have something to add to it. Yeah, no, go add to it, please. Yeah, so and basically just answering your your first, you know, your question, how are you going to, you know, help that patient, answer that patient? And first is exactly what my dad just said. We'll use what real scientific information is out, um, you know, and provide that and let them, you know, see what actually affects or, you know, what. But, and then next, you know, ideally they do have a little bit of experience of smoking some flour, but if not, well, you know, we'll deal with that as well. But essentially I'm using genetics. So when I have someone, you know, if they say they're going for this effect or whatnot, and I'll ask them, you know, when they were able to achieve that that feeling, what did they smoke? And so then I find out the strains, you know, that they smoked that gave them, you know, that high. I'm then able to put it into my aroma. I have six different aroma categories, and each of those are tied to genetic family trees. So once they give me their strain, I identify what genetic family tree that strain came from. I put it into that family tree group, and I recommend them other strains in that family tree. And then if they, I try to also find out where bad experience they might have had, um, and I identify what strain that is, what genetics it is, what they are, put it into my aroma category, which is a family tree of genetics, and then I suggest they steer away from that that group of family trees because that made them too anxious. That made them feel too whatever, you know, let them explain that to me, and then that's how I will provide that information. So what that's doing is giving real scientific, you know, lingo and a language to work with, and um, instead of just going off of kind of a random, well, do you want to be on the couch or do you want to be doing, you know, and then they're just saying, well, do this indica or sativa, and it could, it just, it's literally, they could be giving you anything in a, this store and a bud tender from that store are literally going to give you one strain and say, one, the, one of them is going to say it's great for the daytime and running around and choke energy, and the other person's going to say this one's, you know, great for going to sleep. It's just, it's just never accurate. But, you know, but it's back to those genetics, plugging into that. And then we're also able to give that patient opportunity to explore with real information so they can be like, okay, I know I did enjoy this profile. I like things in there. I like this family tree. Let me explore to this one. And they can fine-tune what really works for them. And And while doing that, they're getting to truly understand this plant and flower they're getting provided with real information, making them a better educated person. So when they go around to the next store and they're saying, do you want the indica or sativa? This patient that's educated can now ask educated questions and get like a, you know, a real answer of what they're going for. And so that's, 
that's how we're planning to. Tyler, why don't you go through the six aroma profiles? Why don't you just sort of share what the six are and a little bit of the genetic background on them? Yeah, so the six aroma profiles are, and I'm just going to, basically you've got gas, which is your skunk one, uh, diesel genetic family tree of strains. You have your pine, which is your basically your haze. Um, your, it's, it's really dominant in just the hazes, and that's that, that piney, lemony smell that you'll get, and that's really normally those, ones that work well really nice in the day. The other the other category is fruit. Um that and that's the fourth category. And the fifth category is dessert. And then I and then there's also cheese. Um and so just to explain, okay, that's kind of arbitrary or whatnot, how I got to what each of these categories was basically me knowing that there's a big problem with all <clears throat> misnaming and and the indica sativa and I was just thinking to myself, okay, there's thousands of strains, whatever, you know, tens of thousands of strains. But yeah. with all those tens of thousands of strains, there's really only only five, six, seven smell aroma groups that I identify. And this is just from, you know, my whole life of experience of smelling flower all over the world, knowing all the different strains, knowing different people who like what, the different highs that come from them. <clears throat> I had already associated strain in a certain category. So I basically was like, okay, I'm going to write down these categories, the, the smell, and then I'm going to plug in the main strains I associate with that smell. So basically, I for gassy smelling stuff, I put in your skunk number ones. I put in chem dog. I put in sour diesel. Um, I put in OGs. For the cheese category, I put in basically just UK cheese. I was, like, I was like, I don't know, there's just a cheese smell uh, basically, you know, there. And then I put in my next category with pine. There's pine smelling stuff, and that main strain I put in was haze. And then I, they're fruity smelling stuff, and I put in, you know, like your uh, tangerine dream and tangerine pineapple express. I don't know, just kind of fruity tropical smelling strains to me. And then for dessert, I put in... Uh, some of the newer strains, you know, basically all the newer strains, like your your cookies and your wedding cakes and whatnot. And then so basically that was purple, like, okay. And purple, Tyler. Oh, excuse me. And, and purple, the purple category, which I just put down, you know, Mendocino Perps, Purple, purple Urkel, Granddaddy Purple. And then basically, so then this is where the aha moment was, is where I looked up the genetics now for each of those. I had an aroma that I put down. Uh, category I put down and a straight couple strains I put in those aroma categories. And then what I found out by looking up their genetic was, to, was that these smell aroma categories were being created by lineage groups of family trees. And that's what was like, whoa, like these are these aromas, aroma groups are tied to lineage. And so I just started going deep into every strain and breaking it down to its land race, you know, all the way back to where it came from um, and just found that it's just like a roadmap for the aroma and combinations of basically places where this, you know, marijuana cannabis came from that is creating a very unique aroma. <clears throat> and uh, that was just like, whoa, that's crazy. And basically 
a template and a language that we can start to use. And so what we're going to use this, and we're not going to take away, you know, people saying the lab us. If they ask, if someone comes up, comes and they're adamant about they like a dominant, you know, a hybrid dominant indica, well, I'm going to just go off of that strain that they smoke that they get the best high from and put it in that family tree it comes from and recommend them that type of stuff, those same family tree of genetics. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's the aroma profiles. <laughs> Are those on your website? We have another website, which is our education website called realtalkcannabis.com, which is live and, and operating. That explains all of this aroma profiles and the way we're presenting flour, like how we present it, that we put um, on our new mellow flour. We have a, like a sticker for THC. We have like a, a green easy, a square advanced, blue advanced, and a black diamond expert. And those for the different levels, the people that think just in terms of basic groupings like that, and we have the top three terps, and then we have the aroma profiles. All that's explained in realtalkcannabis.com, including we have what we call like a white paper that sort of explains our thinking behind all of this. Um, and, and, and then we're now converting our – it's hard, you know, with Dutchy and, and the website um, software to set it up properly, but we found a way to do it. So – in about a week, maybe it's 10 days, but it's really quick, um, we're going to have on our website, right in the beginning, it'll be Shop by Aroma Profile. And you can start right in and clicking and then seeing what flowers we have in each of these aroma profiles that um, Tyler just described. Awesome. All right. And are you, so are you actually um, allowing people to smell the cannabis before they buy it? Is that something that's important to you yeah, as well? We're, we're putting up a smell bar. Absolutely. We're going to have a smell Absolutely. bar. We're just doing it with our own mellow flower that Tyler's cultivating at, at first, um, but we're, we're, that's being set up, and that will be launched, I think, on Friday. And okay. a lot of stores do that. A lot of them can't really aren't set up for it. It's, it's kind of difficult. But it was also, but it was also it's I, the best. I don't know, do you know, Dad, I think it was in the last six months, but – when we opened the store, it was um, you couldn't do that. You know, I, I, that was the first thing. Right. Like, we need to do this. You know, I I came from all the California stores before any testing. You know, in 2006, uh, you know, until 2011, 14, when there was no testing, you could, pop, you know, they would pop open what's sitting on the counter and let you smell it. Um, you couldn't really grab it, but you could at least smell it, and that you know that that made it so that there was no problem. There was no talk about THC or anything like that, um, and Basically, one, that's how this whole problem started with THC. No one would care about THC if we didn't, if the federal government didn't make everyone bottle it up and not be able to smell or look at it. Okay, I can't smell or look at it. Most people are misnaming strains, so if I ask for the strain, I like probably am even getting the wrong one. But um, basically, so what do I? What information do I have to go by? All I have is how high is the THC, and so that's what's now driven this problem. That's what's made it so that all the customers are asking for higher THC. That's making the store owners tell all the cultivators will buy, will pay more for the high THC, and now that's driving up. So literally, the whole market prices the cannabis off of high, how high the THC is when that's not even at all an indicator of how good the cannabis is. 
just totally backwards. Right. It's such wrong information that the whole industry is pricing off of this just arbitrary thing. So um, we're trying to give awareness to all of this with uh, this information we put on our product and conversations we have or bud tenders have with the patients. <clears throat> now, let me ask you about your um, greenhouse, the way you grow. Are you finding that you're getting higher levels of all molecules, uh, cannabinoids, terpenes, anything in there? Are you finding that because you're using, you know, the sun and supplemental uh, lighting uh, that you're getting higher profiles altogether? Well, I can I can just say that from the feedback from our, you know, other, we're, you know, we have good relationships with some of the, you know, the bigger stores here and and as well as, you know, just just good relations with people in industry and we're getting incredible feedback. Um, I have, you know, been in the industry for a, a long time and, um, but to come back quickly to what you're saying, and I was like, yeah, I've been in the industry a long time. There's all these little things to it, but at, at the end, the sun is magic. So yes, you know, just using that sun on the flower, I think put us at another it just levels it up, and there's there's a couple other places using, um, you know, having a nexus greenhouse and getting sun in their cannabis. And surprisingly, a couple of those spots are actually known for not not having the best. And I've seen some of their stuff, and it it wasn't, it, you know, it looked kind of like B grade outdoor, <clears throat> which is definitely not what we're going for. We want it to be top shelf, the best of the best. And that's not just like snooty. That's having pride in the product, wanting the flower to do it be the best it can be, giving it, be it the best life it can have, and then in turn, you know, it will re reward you. you. You want to produce a, a bud, you know, a, a bud beer or, I, I mean, or a Budweiser or do you craft beer? It's sort of like that. But I want to come to, you asked about the test. The new stuff that Tyler has been growing um, we are getting, you know, the THC high and, and good terp readings, but it's it's not just that. There's 140 terpenes in any flower. There's um, dozens of cannabinoids that are still being studied, and there's other esters, alkaloids, and other biochemicals. So the truth is we really don't fully understand all that's in it. The great research being done now is going to help us a lot. But what we find, like in the flower that Tyler's growing now, it's, it smells awesome, it looks awesome, it smokes awesome. So, you know, it's sort of passing all of those, the real tests, if you will. Are you growing uh, hydroponically and soil? What do you guys do? Oh yeah, we're no, we're using cocoa. Cocoa. And we use cocoa, and we're using Athena as a nutrient, and we're using, uh, you know, and then we're using the sun basically as our our main light, as well as sodium halides. But um, yeah, that's basically basically the deal. And another big part of it is the genetics that we're choosing, you know, to fit the environment and to thrive in in this, you know, particular this environment we're in right here. Um, what's interesting is a lot of when I first came out here from Hawaii, <clears throat> I just noticed that a lot of the, basically all, if not, if, you know, good 90%, if not more, of the product that I was trying from, you know, all the dispensaries was both dried out, didn't mm -hmm. smell much, 
it's not at all, and, and then really didn't taste at all. So like, okay, you know, there's something to do here. Now, one, there's extremely high, uh, very high regulation on just everything you can use. You know, they don't let you use cloning gels. They actually just loosen that up, but there's, they test part per billion versus part per million in like all the other states. So you're not allowed to use like any pesticides or anything over here, which almost makes a cleaner product, but I think, it, and you can't really do organic either on the other extreme because then you put too many bacteria in in Massachusetts that has a very low uh, maximum for bacteria. So we're really cornered and in, in limited in, in, in a number of ways, which is Colorado and California a little bit more relaxed on those things. So you, you have to kind of really dig in deep to figure out what organic materials you can use, what hmm. natural, like for pests, what natural um, uh, um, sprays that can be used that will be effective and, and such. So it's a little bit of a, it's a workout to try to you know each state's a little bit different. Yeah, I like that though. I mean, I like that they're really you know making sure that because it's a medical product, you are uh, making sure that it's not contaminated. There are a lot of people out there yep. very complex immune systems, and if you're not checking parts per billion they might just get something that might just take their life, you know? We, yep. we all saw no, for sure. You know, it's probably the – exactly that. And so, in turn, you know, you are getting some of the cleanest products out here in Massachusetts right now. Um, and uh, now that we're we're providing something that looks beautiful, is sticky, <laughs> sticky on your fingers, will pick up another bud with the bud you're holding, um, and smells great, but then – also taste how it smells on the exhale and have that that stays there, you know, we're, we're, we're feeling good at least of, you know, being able to provide that. So we're, we're pretty uh, happy in, in that state. Bill, um, are you familiar yeah. with Dr. Easton Rousseau? Um, he's a, a fairly famous researcher, science, um, scientist researching cannabinoids and terpenes. Um, and he did a – he and some other scientists did, um, I, I think, the most um, game-changing study about – it's less than a year. It's like six, eight, ten months ago, I believe, something like that. And the article that was written on the study was called The Nose Nose, which you've heard us use that term. But this was interesting because we were well into doing all of our aroma profiles and such, and getting all of our marketing materials ready and, and all of our, our sort of rollout of that, which is in that realtalkcannabis.com. But then I was doing a little more research, and I came across this new study by Dr. Ethan Rousseau. And it's just unbelievable. He took 60 patients. Um, they, they, got, they took uh, 14 different um, strains from legal dispensaries with lab testing, um, they first tested the THC themselves and found that it was all inaccurate because you go, every lab you go to, it, it's going to come out a little bit different. But here's, here's the, 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 the unbelievable part is they had the 60 patients smell the flower, you know, blind. They don't know what's, which one is which. And they're looking at it and smelling it, and then they're grading it based on that. I think through 1 through 7 or 1 through 10, they grade it. And then they tried over two months each of the 14 flowers, and they were – all different types of flower and different THC testings and different terp profiles and such. 
And then at the and then after each smoke, they would have either vaping or smoking. They would mark down how much they enjoyed the high. Now here's the punchline: there was no correlation between the amount of THC, the THC percentage, and if they liked this experience. No correlation, zero. But if they mark down that they like the aroma, if they mark that high grade on the aroma, they almost always, and blind, they don't know which is which, but almost always they had a very good experience. So the, the Dr. Rousseau's article was, you know, the nose knows, and their conclusion was, Cannabis users would be serving themselves better to, to go by the aroma of cannabis, not by any lab testing, whether it's THC, terpenes, or other cannabinoids. It's if they go by the aroma, they're going to almost always have a great experience. And that's a scientific study that's out there. It, it's um, by Dr. Ethan Rousseau. It's on the Internet. It goes, the, they coined the sort of the nose-nose is, is a term. If you look that up, you'll probably get the same study. But fascinating that is fascinating because there and and a lot of times i'll tend to grow things that i love to smell you know the the lemon yeah, i was just going to say right right i mean we all subconsciously kind of know that right because just like you just said i mean before there was any testing or um you know looking how high the thc and, and all that you look at it and you know and and if it smelt even if it maybe didn't looked the craziest let's say but if it like oh but smell amazing you're probably gonna like oh well, let's try that one um yeah and there was no talk about uh what are how how high the thc you think it is so it yeah. is um i feel like it's a subconscious thing that we we know and that was kind of you know what i kind of put together with just the information i just subconsciously had and then putting on paper and then seeing the genetics was that, and then my dad basically was looking for holes, you know, as I did. I called, I talked to everyone that I know, where am I wrong, what am I missing, what can I add. And everyone, there was not, everyone agreed with him, this is spot on, this is great. And the only thing I would have is, you know, um, and these are people I'm talking to who have grown for 20, 30, 50 years, um, saying, you know, well, the only thing they would say is like, well, what about uh, incense smell? And then I would ask them, what strain are you thinking? And they'd be like, you know, OG Kush. I'd be like, okay, that's just what I'm calling skunky smell, you know. So we were talking about the same strain, just a different adjective, so it was still the same genetic and the same strain. So it was confirmation from all around. Um, and, and back to my dad. So he was trying to find his hold, where, and where he then all of a sudden came across the Ethan Rousseau article, which just well, I mean, it, we, it was like it was like specifically done for us. It felt like because you know it it proves that your nose is telling you what you want exactly what you just said. I like to grow what smells good to me. Yeah, well, I did grow. I grew some sort of diesel that really smelled like dog poop, and I my friends liked the effect. I mean, and it wasn't a bad effect, but <laughs> I did not like the smell, so I never grew again. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, oh, sorry. I thought you said you did like it. You didn't like it. But it's the same thing. You know, you, you, your body, your biochemical me- makeup told you I don't like that. It's the same thing with and and I think that's you know that's a lot deeper than than you would it just sounds. That's you actually on a subconscious level knowing what your body actually needs and what is going to make it you know improve it or not. Um, and that's you know what we do with 
food essentially and what we're eating or drinking, you know, you kind of have a, a inner conscious that kind of to tune you, and that is with the smell and look and whatnot. Um, so yeah. some cool, interesting stuff. Cannabis uh, kids love the smell the cannabis. He it's just, it's yeah. one of my favorite things. Grinding it up, I always tell people, you know, you get your best when you grind it up and you actually get to smell everything kind of mixed together. Yeah. And then when it tastes like it smells? Oh, even better. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I wanted you to say it. <laughs> Hawaiian snow. Oh, yeah. And uh, oh, I think it's love that. a sativa. Yeah. Yeah. It said that it's a sativa, but um, that one, it literally makes my mouth water. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. nice. That's awesome. Uh, Bill, I wanted to mention one other thing uh, before we, we um, uh, conclude all this. I didn't want to miss talking about, I just want to talk about THC just for a second and share and share with you some, uh, a few thoughts on that, you know, Right now, you know, in our store, you know, people will come in and, and they'll either ask for the, the, the sativa indica because they've heard that. They'll, uh, they think, you know, they'll be able to determine what they want by that. Or, or they'll ask the bud tender what they like. That's very common. What do, what do you recommend? But the other one we all know is they come in and say, what's your highest THC? And, right. and this is sort of driving – it's driving the entire market. The, the seed, um, the, um, uh, pheno hunters, genetic seed companies, the growers, the stores. That you know, it's it's affecting everyone. But there's an interesting thing that's also going on. Um, you know, when I I'm 71 now. When I was a kid, you know, cannabis was like six, seven percent. You know, that was sort of typical THC. And you'd smoke yeah. something, and you'd have to wait about 10 or 15 minutes to make sure it wasn't oregano. You know, you wait 10 or 15 minutes. If you started getting high, you know, you have something good going on. And then after about 20 minutes, you're you're feeling pretty good and you've got your high going and, you know, good, you know, oh, this is good grass. Um, but, you know, today we're up at the, you know, 25, 30% and, and really 35, 40%, according to the scientists, it's really you can't get really above 30%. So there's a lot of sort of monkey business there because if you think about it, like if you take a bud, if it's 40, it says it's 40% THC, that means like 40% of that weight you're holding is pure THC oil. You know, I, I don't, it, it, it's fine to say no. But anyway, 30% is high. And we try to talk yeah. to people about, you know, the, the higher range of, you know, 25 to 30 and then, you know, sort of 20 to 25 mid and, and, and sort of 10 to 20 being sort of the light range. But here's what's interesting. I talk to so many people all over the country and, you know, I, I travel overseas. I talk to them there. And I talk about the fact that for a lot of people, new users, in, you know, light users, infrequent users, this high THC is not an experience that they really enjoy. You know, it, it rips you really quickly. And the, as we all know, if you've got something that's super high THC, in two, three minutes, you're getting ripped. And by, by three or four, um, consciousness, uh, um, disassociation going on, and people can get paranoid, fearful. But even heavy users can find it a little bit uncomfortable. You get cranked up there. You come down fairly, fairly quickly. Some of the, uh, you know, I'd say 50% or more of my customers at my store, they may ask for that, but that's not really the experience they're looking for. 
there are some um, lighter THC flour that's really good flour, really high quality, that's maybe only 12, 15, 18% um, THC. And people will have a wonderful experience with that without getting into that edgy, terpy uh, kind of, um, uh, um, you know, on the edge feeling that is, is uncomfortable. This isn't talked about a lot. That's why I wanted to bring it up to you guys. But I talk Ooh. to so many people, even heavy users, and they'll say that, that, that they're not really that comfortable. And one right. of the, one of the, yeah, anyway, let me, and I want to tell you about some, some Thai weed, but um, are you, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, this is my experience in talking to people and my experience in sharing um, what people well, are looking for and what their experience with THC is. Totally agree. Most of our clientele don't want to get trashed. They want to have pain relief. They want to be able to focus and, and function but not feel the pain that they have from you know, they they don't want to get ripped. They they don't want to. So so enter Bell. Enter Thai um, Thai stick. Now Thai stick is sort of a word that it can be called a type of a type of like stogie that used to be made with hash oil and stuff with a stick through it. it used to be how they wind up with red thread. The um, when they would. Um, transport uh, in Thailand um, cannabis and also how they would grow it using a bamboo stick because it grows tall. So Thai stick is often just sort of Thai weed. But um, squirrel tail is the most common Thai genetic, um, uh, uh, Landre sativa. And it's about a 10, 11, 12% THC. That's it. But, I mean, that 30, 40 years ago, when the military guys from Vietnam were all going over to Thailand for R&R, they were smoking squirrel tail. 12% was actually fairly high THC compared to the 6 7 8% of Mexican um, weed that was coming up um, into the States at that time. But they fell in love with this, th- with this Thai weed, and as you all know, it became super popular. They brought seeds back to the U.S. It was grown. It was like a big deal in the 60s and, and 70s, and it sort of faded out since then. We're bringing that back, and um, I spent quite a bit of time in Thailand and working with companies there on on the genetics. And there are um, there's four major strains that are indigenous there that the government is, has identified. But the squirrel tail is the most popular one. And squirrel tail, um, the experience of it is much much more like what I remember as a kid. You know, when we would smoke, we'd you'd, you'd say, "Hey, did you get a buzz?" Uh, yeah, I did. Okay, you, you're stoned. And you'd get a really rich body high was sort of the experience of marijuana. And then it mm-hmm. would then get into the more cerebral and psychoactive over, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, and then you'd get a well-rounded high. But this Thai um, squirrel tail, Han Gorok is the, is the um, Thai word for it, squirrel tail. And it's because it grows. It's, it's, it's um, cola is like a squirrel tail. Uh, I mean, it's, it's like a squirrel tail. But anyway, this stuff, uh, Bell and Canvas Kid, when you smoke it, you will in, in three or four minutes you get this huge rush of body high, like a like a sunshine glow over your whole body, and then five or ten minutes later you get the cerebral and you get this well-rounded. That was the experience those military guys were having coming to Thailand, and they fell in love with it. I don't know if they were smoking 30% THC coming right after out of the the hell of Vietnam and seeing the horror that they were seeing, 
I wouldn't want them to try a 30% THC, but that squirrel tail was just gave them just, they were just in a ball, a glow of warm, fuzzy, good feeling. And that's missing today, Bell and Canvas Kid, I think, in the market. And all this, this race towards this high-end THC, we're really losing a lot of what used to be this really nice, more relaxing experience of THC, more social, not getting ripped and going off in a corner in the existential reality, um, but just being able to sit back and feel good and chat with friends, see a movie together, go play games together, talk together, socialize, have a meal, whatever. We're losing that. And in our own small way, we're little players, but in our own small way, we were trying to push forward the the beauty of some of these older strains that had that much richer um, uh, a mix of cannabinoids and terpenes and other other biochemicals, but not just racing after that super edgy, um, super ripped THC. Yep, I, <clears throat> I definitely agree. And I wish we had a whole other hour to talk, but we made it to the end of the show. And we're going to have to come out and smoke <laughs> some of that <laughs> with you guys. Oh, you, guys <laughs> you got absolutely. it. Fair package. Your, your, <laughs> we'll hold your private reserve for you when you, or when you come. Nice. All right. That would be fantastic. Thank you guys for coming on the show, and best of luck in all that you do. Um, have fun with it. Educate and, um, and enjoy life. And we will talk to you very soon, but maybe we'll see you soon. Thank you, guys. <laughs> well, sounds good. And check out realtalkcannabis.com, and, and all this information is there. Awesome. Yeah, and you guys you are guys. welcome out any single time. Thank you so much. Yay. So thank right. you for having Great. us. Guys. You thank bet. you, guys. Take care. All right. You too. All right. Well, that concludes another episode of Weed Day Wednesday. Thank you to McCain for coming on at Mellow. Thank you, guys. Um, awesome. Yeah, nose, nose. Go smell your weed, folks. Smell before you... If you don't like it, maybe it's not for you. Yeah, probably not. Not so much. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on. We've got more fun guests coming on. Be sure to check out the website at tumbleweedsellcenter.com. And we'll see you all next week. Remember, be smart, be safe, and educate. Ooh, 131 free subscriptions. Woohoo! Can't believe it's August 16th. It is. That's crazy. It's so crazy. So crazy. Thank you to to our blogging guests. Chatting guests on the blog, chatting on the blog talk. Chatting on the blog talk. Chatting on the blog talk. Happy Wednesday, everybody.